said you were recording your admission. I edit that out. No, never. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Ramjack and the Shameful Mollusk, an underwater tale. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am John Pernasek filling in for Alex Green, and of course, uh, your regular Ramjack co-host, Brad Couples. Brad, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. Drinking my coffee. Mm. What? Uh, so, just give me a reminder as to what number episode this is. Uh, this is... Well, Jonathan, I'm sure you know that this is episode. <laughs> this is episode 85. We can always put a little music under you as you, as you scramble through your notes. I didn't scramble at all. It's not like I cut anything out. So where is where is Alex exactly? Because he's not sick. He's, yes, he's, he's not, not sick. sick. Alex is globe trotting supposedly. Aha. Oh, he's he's in the land of Claire, correct? He is. He is in London Town. <laughs> Good old Bezzywick. <laughs> We were actually supposed to record a Winter Solstice episode, but Alex disappeared off the face of the planet. <laughs> so we didn't get that. I did. There is some stuff that's recorded, but there were some audio issues. So uh, there may be a mini episode coming up. I would boot up that old Robo Alex or, you know, put some burnt pieces together and <laughs> boot it up because maybe Alex is dead again. He could be. Uh, Claire says she's seen him in London. But Claire may be covering up a homicide. And also, what does that mean? She's seen him in London, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they've had a conversation or That's true. An encounter. That's true. It's very suspicious. <laughs> oh, I saw him. Oh, well, it could have just been another very tall, <laughs> very lanky fellow in a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that Alex's idea of acclimating into society is just to wear a top hat. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what he does. So I, I don't know what's going on, but there will be a, a mini-episode coming up, hopefully with a lot of audio from the Creation Museum, Ooh. which I visited on Christmas Eve. This is a fun time. <laughs> yes, that does sound uh, delightful. That's not the first time you've been, either, so you're kind right. of an expert at this point. This is my second trip, so we had fun. <laughs> second of what I assume will be many. <laughs> what's the status of the, uh, the group that kind of spearheaded the Creation Museum? They are the same group who wanted to build the Ark, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the Answers and Genesis people, and they are crazy, and yeah, they're still uh, still trying to get that together. I-, I assume that, yeah, they're still trying to get the money needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We only need a hundred million more dollars. <laughs> and the government's, you know, bending over to help them get it, too, which is uh, sketchy. Thank you, government. Every day you reaffirm my faith in you. <laughs> Let's cut the salary for teachers and uh, stop spending on the poor and the people that need money, but we've got to get this art museum built. I want to build this big-ass boat, and there's going to be a restaurant in it, and it's going to be the worst. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you go to the restaurant? Oh, it's, <laughs> food is delicious. The one in the Creation Museum is uh, Noah's Cafe. Right. I was just thinking that, too, but I thought that was a completely separate institution. Right. Oh, the, oh, the cafe. And the Dragon uh, Bookstore. Why is it called the Dragon Bookstore? Well, you know, dragons. Dra- everybody loves dragons. They're some of our most favorite scientific creatures. You might call them dinosaurs. <laughs> we call them dragons. Now, this dragon is referred to by some as a brontosaurus. I, I highly recommend everyone. Uh, I posted a video on the Ramjack uh, Facebook group of the animatronic Noah talking about feeding the dragons. <laughs> and then the animatronic Pirates of the Caribbean show up. <laughs> and they slit his throat. Yeah, I've got another... Oh! No! There were so many shitty animatronics. I, I, I've got another video I need to post that's just animatronics of, like, these two women weaving baskets. Oh, God. I'm sure the articulation is really amazing. Yeah, it's horrible. Horrible. Hand up, hand down. 
<laughs> I am weaving right now, robot, robot. How much money was spent on this nonsense? Ugh. Well, what do we have on the docket for today, Brad? Well, we've got a lot of fun stuff. I think we got some games coming up later. Mm. Um, no Belvedere and Saved by the Bell this week. We're holding off. Yeah, you're... you're <laughs> I'm being I'm being denied a lot this time around. <laughs> no Belvedere. I'm not allowed to enjoy some Saved by the Bell. We're not even doing part two of my epic fan fiction. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Well, we can't change up the voices now. That would be ridiculous. Well, and I it would be better if Alex was here to experience it, you know, live. Right. <laughs> As opposed to secondhand. Because he's not really great at catching up on right. details. Indeed. And also, Morgan Freeman is very busy for the holidays. So we couldn't get him He's in. very busy. He's a busy, busy man. But uh, I do have a book report coming up as well. Okay. <laughs> Would you like to start us off with that book report? Oh, uh, sure. Um, you guys know I, I enjoy the historical biographies. Yes, yeah, so I, I just started uh, Washington, A Life by Ron Chernow. Washington, A Life. All about George Washington, our now first keep president. In mind, keep in mind, Teddy Roosevelt needed three enormous tomes to cover his span yeah. on this plane. But Washington, he gets one book? How big is this book? It is a pretty fucking huge book. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's it's very, very large. And from what I gathered uh, reading your latest tweets, your thesis, your thesis is that George Washington is basically a dick. He's the worst. I, <laughs> I just want to make a statement to uh, George Washington. I want you, George Washington, to go join ghost William Howard Taft and go eat a bag of ghost dicks because you're the fucking worst. <laughs> Fuck you, George Washington. Someone has to say it, and I'll be the guy to say it. I, I don't know, Brad. I mean, he is the father of our country. Fuck George Washington. He discovered the new world, and he's the father of our country. <laughs> done and done. For, okay, I will say, I, I do have a little bit of sympathy towards George Washington, uh, because his mother is a psychopathic crazy bitch. <laughs> she's she's the uh, psycho Bates mother of this of this history. She really she's like the most selfish, horrific person in the world. I I, th- I did feel a bit of a kinship with George Washington. I will say there's this moment where he's he wants to go off and join the navy, and his mother's like, um, I'd rather have you home helping out because uh, she he's the oldest, and I need you to help with the other kids and stuff. <laughs> the other kids? How many kids did she have? Um, I think there was uh, uh I think maybe four or five. Okay, and how old is he at this point? Uh, he's in his teens. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he really needed to get out of there, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, and also, you know, it's an older time, you know. Sure. People, you know, left home earlier, so. Put a gun in their hands at 14. Right. <laughs> get him out of there. Right. Through most of her life, she went out of her way to just thwart him <laughs> for her own, you know, vanity and amusement. Oh, George, do you have hopes and dreams? Well, if you could just hand those uh, to me and I can crush them. Yeah. She was also like a crazy evangelical religious nut job. Oh, really? Yeah. I can't even imagine what that is defined as for that time. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy evangelical for that time in history. Well, uh, but also that was during the Enlightenment where most people weren't that religious. Oh, so she she probably seemed even more bizarre. Yeah, so she was definitely a freak in her time. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, But she she was also really brutal, like very cruel, uncaring. Uh, She would uh, beat the kid. She was horrific to her slaves. Oh. Where's Daddy Washington throughout all of this? Uh, He died actually um, pretty early. Okay. And she never remarried, she just had these kids from him. So what you're saying essentially is that she kind of made him the dick that he became. Uh, Partially, yeah. Uh, And a lot of it was him rebelling against her as well. She was very uh, uneducated, uh, country bumpkin and proud of it. Uh, mm, Well, we... Yeah, it's... it's (laughs) Some things never die. Indeed, indeed. But she was, she pretty much thought all they needed was the Bible, didn't need any education, was very cheap, didn't want to spend any money on the children. (laughs) 
Jesus Christ. She's a stingy, Bible-beating, child-beating <laughs> wench mm-hmm. with a fucking pumpkin dress. <laughs> yeah. I made me a dress out of pumpkins. <laughs> and, I don't need nothing. And also, she was, she was really cruel with the slaves. Like, she was like, you are there to serve me and fuck you if you do anything wrong. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> like, uh, they try to make a, a point that Washington, of people of his time, he was somewhat, uh, I- I'm not going to say caring towards the slaves, but he recognized them as humans. <laughs> he recognized them as people with beating hearts. Right. He acknowledged slave marriages, which many people didn't do. Oh. He would, wow. he, like, he wouldn't break up slave families. So, okay. Which I, you give him, I guess you give him some credit for that. Okay. But not a lot, because he still had a grip of slaves. <laughs> and maybe he was just doing that to be contrary to his mother. <laughs> Like, randomly, like, god damn it, how could I just really make my mom angry? Well, there, there was this there's this one story. He'd either bought one of her slaves, or somehow like, he had a slave that she wanted back. Oh. And basically, the slave woman had, like, married a man. And Washington was like, well, I don't really want to break up this family. And his mother was like, fuck that. That's my slave. I want it back now. <laughs> I don't have the complete set. <laughs> That's my property. And he's like, well, will you take them both? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's one too many. This is property. Fuck. Oh, oh my goodness. God, you're a bitch. And like she does all kinds. Of, there's this one point where um right after Washington's gotten married, uh he he uh he he writes in a letter. He's like, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh me and Martha had to visit mother, and oh. we we were alone with her the entire evening. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Some things never die. Yeah. <laughs> that awkward evening spent with the mother-in-law. Oh, so great. You think you are so fancy now, don't you? <laughs> no, mother. Well, I, at this point, Washington doesn't actually sound all that bad. He just kind of sounds like a beset-upon Right, child. right, right, right. And you might think that. Uh, let me tell you another about, story about Washington and slaves. Okay. <laughs> Do you know the one about Washington and the slaves? <laughs> so it all began. He was looking over his book because he kept incredibly detailed logs of everything, basically. He's like a compulsive note taker. Okay. And he's like, ah, I don't know about this output of uh, logs that these guys have been cutting. I don't think this is up to par. So he takes yeah. a day. Logs as in uh, wood, as opposed to the logs that he was keeping himself. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, sorry, yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> yes. So he goes out there and just sits down with a notebook and a watch in his hand and is just watching them. And he he <laughs> logged how much they did. And he's calculating, you know, the average in yeah. a certain amount of time. And he's like, and he's like, hi, and at the end of the day, uh, with me sitting there watching them, they did three times as much work. <laughs> like, George Washington, I just, he's like the shittiest manager you've ever had at the shittiest job. Yeah, he's the guy that stands right behind you and watches you work, basically. Yeah, and I'm like, fuck you, George Washington. Do you not realize that they don't really have any reason to want to do their best work for you? They're not getting anything out of it. They're slaves. There will be no goofing around on this slave compound. If you want if you want the best quality high-yield work, maybe you should uh, make it worth their while. Maybe he, w- maybe he was just kind of covering up for the fact that he was obsessive about... <laughs> notes and calculations maybe he just oh. needed a reason it's like just... I'll, I'll, I'll make it seem as if i'm just you know being a douchebag but really i really just i need to know these numbers i'm fascinated it's awful and uh, there's just all this nonsense where he just bumbled like his first three major uh, military expeditions just fumbled them horrifically oh my <laughs> He's no Teddy. <laughs> no, not at all. At one point, they slaughtered a bunch of French soldiers because Washington got paranoid that they were spies. Uh, and that they were not, I presume? <laughs> no, not at all. They were just eating peacefully. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> he snuck up He snuck up on them in the middle of the night. 
And they were like in like an area where they, they weren't hidden. And he just came in and the, and the French soldier was like, huh, what's what's going on here? And then Washington attacks and he killed like a, he killed like a major ambassador. And it, this is what Holy shit. This is what set off the French Indian War. Oh, well, thank you, George. Great job. George, I think that's the French ambassador. Fuck him. Fort Necessity was just a huge fuck up because he didn't know what the hell he was doing. Oh. He's just, he's not very good at this. I feel sorry for him. I don't think, more and more I just feel like he's kind of a giant nerd he doesn't know what he's doing and he he does sound like kind of a dick but well he's he's this like but he's he's a ridiculous social climber because he just wants to be seen as as like this important officer and the biggest reason for him like really getting involved in the revolutionary war at this point which i'm we're only really getting into the beginning of the actual you know revolution i've I've pretty much gotten to the uh, boston tea party okay okay. so i'm still early but at this point the major inciting reason that he wants to be involved is the fact that British soldiers uh, don't take the American soldiers seriously. He can't, <laughs> In what way? He they they uh, gauge them as like a lesser soldier. Like their rank means less. His big problem is that he's not getting, uh, he'll never get a full uh, British officer's royal commission. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Like, he'll never be respected because his soldiers aren't respected. And as such, vis-a-vis, I'm going to basically incite another war. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I can't, I can't be a real British soldier? I can't be an... My officer standing isn't as high? Well, then fuck them. Okay, we'll have our own okay. soldiers. <laughs> I'm going to take my ball and my mitt. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to... But George, we can't play without that ball. Fuck you. He's also... And he's also... He's just, like, obsessed with, like, having the nicest things. He goes into massive amounts of debt to have, like, these ridiculously ornate uniforms and, like, the finest things in his house. Uh, just to so show he off. Wasn't, he wasn't exactly adhering to the principles of the revolution. <laughs> like, George, you know, we're really kind of maybe going against... <laughs> <laughs> these sort of n- nobility style decorations. Well, this is Fuck it. Uh, this is this is before revolutionary again. So okay, I, I don't know how things are going to change. But at this point, like he's he went into massive, massive debt, basically ordering these like extremely detailed uniforms. Like the amount of detail he sends to his tailor are absolutely fucking ridiculous. Well, this this is where I, I, I need help with this then because so you're saying at the point you are in the book, like it's you're you're. Bridging into the Boston Tea Party. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so when you say that he wasn't, he didn't feel he got the respect he deserved or his soldiers got the respect they deserved, he is at that point, he's in the British military himself. He is an officer of the British military. No, because there is, they do hold, that's the problem. They hold a distinction. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a colonial soldier. Right. Makes so, sense. But he's, of course, a colonial soldier for the king. Okay. Yes, of course. But exactly. He's a colonial soldier. So those don't really count. Oh, poor George. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he's awkward. He thinks if he buys these fancy clothes that people will like him. Exactly. Look, guys, look what I'm wearing. Oh, and it's 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 sad and it's pathetic, but he's also just a huge dick about everything. <laughs> he, like, he doesn't want his soldiers getting drunk. He doesn't want them drinking. When he finds out someone's been swearing or drinking, he t- takes them to a darkened room and beats them. <laughs> If they've been drinking at all, if they've been imbibing in any in any capacity, that's that's what it seemed like. Um, I may I may need to go back and check this again, but I think as he got older, he was more okay with like you know you know reasonable drinking. But he's still gonna take you to a dark room and hit the. But he's hugely against drinking, but mostly cursing. That was like the big thing. Really? Yeah. That's got to be part of his upbringing then. Like a lot of that probably Mm -hmm. did stick because that seems to me to be the kind of 
pious attitude of his mom talking. Yeah, I think so. But it's... I mean, no cussing, no drinking? My <gasps> God, what can we do, George? We're, we're soldiers. We're soldiers getting slaughtered because you're a shitty soldier. <laughs> we're not librarians. We're not... <laughs> and, um, of course, there was a huge problem with deserters. And so he said, um, all right, I'm going to build, of course, a gallows. But I'm going to build a super high gallows to be more intimidating to the men. And so they can see it from far away. <laughs> yeah. And also, um, my personal goal is to hang 14 men this summer. Oh, for God's sake, George. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, George. I was trying so hard to defend him, too. Yeah. He's awful. He's fucking awful. It just I think he's obsessed with numbers. Like, 14. <laughs> That's a good number. <laughs> I, want, I want 200 logs by the end of the day, or I'll hang three men. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's just the worst. I hate him. Oh, Georgie Porgy. That's what I would have called him. <laughs> Such a dick. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure I'll have more stories. I think next episode I may discuss a little bit about Martha Washington. Does it go into any of the, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll, they stick to the facts, but do they take any time to discuss the myths that kind of surround him? You know, all of the stories that kind of get glommed onto his biography, but doesn't actually happen ever. I, I mean, they may touch on that. I feel that may be a good thing to put in, like, the end chapters or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. But... I just want to hear about those wooden teeth. Oh, not... Didn't have wooden teeth. Oh, no wooden teeth. No, they were actually, um... The thing was, I think they were, uh, ivory. Oh. Now, see, that's one of those myths. But the thing is, it's... But as time went on and they were stained, they looked more brown. Oh, oh. <laughs> so people said he had wooden teeth. I swear to you, they're ivory. Oh, they look like wood. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, but he apparently did have... He did have really awful teeth. Oh. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I would like to have lived back then. No, no, would not be fun. I got the first Teddy Roosevelt book for my uncle because he's super into historical books as well, mm-hmm. um, and he had just begun reading that. I read a little bit of the prologue myself, all about how uh, every New Year's Day uh, he would let people come and shake his hand. Yeah, which I thought was kind of amazing. That would never happen now. <laughs> yeah, that kind of ended during his presidency, nonetheless. Oh, that's too bad, too, because yeah. it does kind of foster a, a sense of openness and friendliness. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I don't see Barack Obama doing that. <laughs> no. But Not it, in our fear-mongering society. Well, and crazy, you know, redneck conservatives would shoot him in the face. Yeah, they so would. <laughs> there wouldn't be any fancy hats or eating of popsicles and popcorn. <laughs> oh, I can't believe we're going to meet the president versus Jay, which is, I'm going to meet the president. <laughs> Brad, I uh, recently went to a little borough in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, known as Pleasant uh, Pleasant Hills. And it was there that I experienced uh, what I like to refer to as bland homophobia. Oh. Homophobia that is delivered in such a way to where you can't really be offended by it. Because the more energy you put into it, you realize that they didn't put nearly as much energy into their hatred. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had dinner with this family that my aunt and uncle have been having Christmas Eve dinner with for years now. At least, I I, want to say at least a decade for crying out loud. They always go to this one Italian restaurant and the matriarch of the family, the grandmother, she... uh, she was. She wanted to get to know me, and everyone thought it was really hilarious that I was an improviser. Ooh, an, an improviser! They kept fucking saying over and over again. Uh, it's, it's improviser those, Jonathan. Improviser Jonathan, and there was this joke of, "Well, let's give him a few more drinks, and I'm sure he'll improvise for us." Which is, <laughs> I just horrible. love using. I just love using the word improvise. He's a professional improv, like like an, like it's an old profession, like yes. a jester. Yes. 
Oh, a ch- someone brought a jester to the proceedings. Well, perhaps after dinner we'll have him do a show. Jester, what poems and limericks do you know? Oh. I know many. I know many a limerick, man. Um, so that was a recurring theme of, uh, come on, Jonathan, we'll we'll give you a suggestion, just like on whose line is it anyway? And, oh. Oh, God, my stomach was just churning as I tried to eat my okay Italian food. Uh, it wasn't bad. It was just okay. Um, but the homophobia came <laughs> ready and willing when the matriarch, uh, I just, I like, that's one of my favorite words, because it, it insinuates authority and senility at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm the matriarch of the family. I have no marbles in my head. Um, she started asking me if I liked sports. And Brad, you know a lot about sports. Oh, yeah, I know all the sports facts. You know, <laughs> you, you know all the 75 sports facts from your paperback book that you got at a garage sale. <laughs> Indeed. Football is the king of sports, according to my book. Um, she said, well, are, are you really into uh, hockey? Because in Pittsburgh, they're, they're really into the hockey games that have been going on lately. And I said, you know, I don't really, honestly, Gene, uh, I don't follow hockey. She said, what, what about football? That's going on right now, too. I, I really don't. And she asked about a couple of sports to a point where I was like, Is, are we going to start getting into, like, badminton? Fucking, like, Chinese checkers? Like, like come on now. <laughs> Enough already, Gene. And finally... Do you she, have a trampoline? <laughs> that could be fun. Not competitive, but fun. <laughs> Uh, I haven't been on a trampoline. All right, Gene. <laughs> so finally she goes, because she goes, well, do you like football? Or do you like hockey? Well, do you like girls? And everybody at the table had a hearty guffaw, a satisfying chortle <sighs> at Gene the Grandmother Matriarch's joke. And it was delivered in such a way, like, it's, it, no, you don't get it. It's funny because there's no way... That Jonathan could actually be gay. Right. So I'm telling a joke. I'm teasing you, you see. I'm 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 having a laugh with you, not at you, because you're not gay. And I can't stand that tiny mindset that made her think that was okay. Yeah. And it's just so much ignorance. So much ignorance. And so much so that you really can deliver that with a smile and mean it. Like, there was no real ambivalence or a need to kind of expose me at all. Um, it's, it's, it's not like... It's just that in, it's that ignorance, especially from a different time, that just doesn't even realize yeah. that it's a possibility. Well, and she seemed to be so... What's so funny is that she seemed to be very um, snappy and very aware of herself and how she related to everyone around her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, for a woman who's so self-aware and doesn't seem backwards... That kind of joke just doesn't fit in with the rest of you. Yeah. And you need to be able at this point in your life to really let that shit go because you're 80 years old. Mm -hmm. This isn't, you know, this isn't when you were in your 20s. Like, this isn't right. Before I could say anything, my aunt piped up immediately and she said, oh, well, he's an actor, Gene. He's Uh, he's an actor. Oh, that's worse. That's worse. That's worse, isn't it? Because I, I didn't understand what she was trying to do by saying that because everyone was still laughing at Jean's joke. So my aunt, in this kind of bizarre tone of apology and justification, said, oh, oh, no, Jean, you don't... It's almost as if she was saying, you don't understand, Jean. He doesn't understand sports because he's an actor. Mm-hmm. And it had this insane coded glaze to it. Yeah. 
Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, no, she doesn't because you're not being forthright enough. You're not being honest enough. So she's not going to pick up on what you're trying to do. If you're even trying to do that at all. Right. If anything, you're just changing the subject. And I don't appreciate it because I can speak for myself. I knew that she probably did panic. Right. Because my aunt and uncle know that I'm gay. We've never fucking discussed it. I've, I, in correspondence, I've talked about, like, guys in my life. So mm-hmm. they know. Mm-hmm. I don't need I don't need you to like pipe up and kind of stamp out her homophobia. I can do it, and I was going to with my own jovial response. Right. I was going to be a militant queer about it, and you know, <laughs> like I was going to pull a Stonewall in that Italian restaurant, uh, like hurling veal parmesan at the waiters. I don't know. It just kind of it disheartened me because, uh, well, there were other reasons. If if you want to know more about my trip to Pleasant Hills, be sure to listen to the latest episode of. Uh, the podcast I co-host, Cough Syrup, because I had to go to church. Gross. <sighs> and you'll learn all about that over there. Absolute fucking worst. When was the last time you heard, like, have you, can you think of a recent occurrence where someone threw out a statement like that? Not necessarily homophobic, but, like, you just heard someone say something and you were like, really, you think you can get away with that? And you did, so clearly you did. <laughs> yeah, I, whew. Well, I mean, again, I've just been to the Creation Museum, so... Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot there. Yeah, I just that kind of that kind of thing you say when you feel social intimacy gives you a blanket. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm safe here. I can say. Well, uh, another example is my friend Kate was with her family, and Kate's dated a few black men in her past, and she wasn't there at the time this was said, but someone was carving the turkey. And they were like, who wants dark meat? And someone said, well, Katie does, but she's not here yet. Mm. And I'm like, really? That's hilarious. Uh, See, I grew up with a lot of casual racism, but because Mm. my family, you know, are in Tennessee and they're racists. Yeah. (laughs) Here's a couple things that (laughs) result in that. (laughs) Yeah. And, but. One, Tennessee. Two, racist. The thing is, and I think it's the same way with homophobia as well is um, somehow they've become, they're socially aware enough to know that they're not supposed to be racist or homophobic. Right. And they've convinced themselves that they're not, but they are. Yeah. Or that they think they're being satirical or ribald. Like, I don't get what they think is going on. Okay. Like, oh, I'm being so cheeky. Yeah, okay, I've got one here. All right. This this absolutely shocked me to my core. Um. I, it was uh, in 2008. Um, I had gone down to Tennessee um, to... My grandmother was sick, and I was helping out with her for a while. Mm-hmm. And this was my first night down there. And I hadn't been to Tennessee in, a, I think, a year or two at that point. And uh, the first night there, I'm getting together with some old friends and hanging out. I, one of my friends, who is... is I, I still say is one of my oldest, dearest friends in the world. Oh, manzies. I had not... Again, I had not seen this person in a long time. And uh, we're just going out and hanging out with some people. And uh, we're going through a drive-thru. And I, I don't remember what it was. I think it was like a uh, like a chicken place or something. And... <laughs> I like to think that it's called the chicken place. <laughs> I know. Because it's, it's Jackson, Tennessee. They don't have... <laughs> it's probably like a Popeye's or like a, okay. a Miss Winters or something. I don't I don't remember the specifics. But... Remind for... me to ask you about what Miss Winters is. <laughs> but... I have no idea what that is. <laughs> But for fun, they decided that it would be fun to try to say the phrase niggercock into the drive-thru. Uh... And, like, as soon as this started to happen, I am just like, oh, fuck, I'm in Tennessee. This is what people do here. 
Oh no, I just now realized it. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to get back to civilization, and I'm stuck in Tennessee. Nigger, nigger cock? Yeah, and for oh, kicks, no. they were going to try to say it in the drive-thru, and like, you know, and see if they somebody said, what What did you say? Ha, huh? because that's going to be funny. It's like an episode of that Jerky Boys. <laughs> hey, that's not funny. No. That's not funny at all. I, I don't understand what you get out of that, except the fact you're saying something that you know is inappropriate. Yeah. It's juvenile at best, and at worst, it's just abhorrent. Right. It's, oh, it's horrific. Yeah, and um, I don't I don't know. I just, why doesn't it bother you? The thing, the thing with people saying that, people say, well, it's just a word. They say it. Why can't I say it? Oh, why God. do you want to say that? Why do you, what do you why get out of that? Why are you so angry about that? Even if that were true, mm-hmm. even if, <laughs> even if this, uh, this theory that you have that, well, damn it, they get to say it, so I should too. Well, even if you're right, which let's not even fucking get into that <laughs> because that's a fucking, oh God, that's a quagmire we're never going to get out yeah. of. Your, your anger and your entitlement is, in, is fascinating right. to me. Yeah. Damn it, I want that word back. Exactly, because here's the thing. I like. That's I, it, they want the word back is what they want. Yeah. I'm, I am completely back. against censoring language in any form or fashion. Sure. I think the idea of, of bad words, of curse words, is the most idiotic and repulsive thing. It's That probably makes me angry, angrier quicker than anything in regular life. Sure. But by expressing this word, by expressing this idea, your intention is the problem, not the word. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. And I don't know why this was happening. And they go up to the drive-through and they say it to the to through the, the speaker, and and then they say it again when they get up there and they've ordered their food. What? Yeah. To the person? Yeah, because like the person had, the person had like handed them their food and like turned around and like uh, and they, oh, oh could no. you get us some napkins as well and it turned around oh and maybe some nigger cock hey bitch what the fuck are you doing did this employee even recognize this was happening <sighs> Here, on any level and here's the thing. Like, I hope she didn't. I really hope she didn't. I hope she did neither. (laughs) But if she did, and that means she just ignored it, which is almost more sad and pathetic and makes me dislike my friend that much more. Yeah. Because you're just hurting someone for no reason, except your wackiness. Yeah, because when they don't say anything, what you've done, in effect, is shame them. Yeah. Because they don't feel... Either they don't... Either they can't be bothered to bring it up like, God, this is exhausting. I can't believe I'm dealing with this right now. Mm-hmm. Get away from me. Or they could feel genuinely like, Jesus, like this is terrible. Yeah. I don't even know what to do right now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I just, I don't know. And it's it's just, it's ignorance. And that's the problem. It's ignorance. Mm-hmm. They just, this person particularly just has absolutely no idea of what they're doing or why. Um, Can I use another example real quick? My aunt kept telling this story to different people, and I don't understand what, A, the point of the story was, because it had no beginning, middle, or end. It was just one of those, I'm going to tell you about a person I know who knows another person that we all know. That's not a story. That's just a a dry list of... <laughs> it's like a fake family tree that It's like the exist. Bible. And so-and-so begat so-and-so, who well, hath wrought so-and-so. And, and I don't know what the the order of this was or how it was spelled out but it always ended with this is what happened okay it all came back to me in a fucking noah's ark flood (laughs) awesome um at the christmas eve mass and i didn't get into this on cough syrup there uh, on the altar uh in the altar area there were two altar children one was a white boy and another was a little black girl and my aunt was fascinated by where this black girl came from and how she was connected to the church's 
core family, like the priest's family. And she explained it exactly like this with this exact shift in volume. Well, because you know, he married up black. I love that. I love. Don't you love that? It was. Uh, I had a group of friends, and we we started uh, making fun of this because we noticed it uh, back Constantly. in college. And yeah, and it was just because. But sometimes it would be the it would be whispered but loud. It's like, oh, you gotta watch. You know, there's a lot of blacks. There's a lot of blacks. <laughs> Stop doing a stage whisper. It's such a weird thing. Yeah. And I, at one point, she had told this story three times the exact same way. And finally, this was at the Italian restaurant. I just stopped her and said, why are you whispering? Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with you saying that he married a black woman. There's nothing wrong with what you're saying. Right. And, and she just kind of demurred and she kind of, kind of rolled her eyes and she's like, oh, John, Jonathan. And I was like, what? How did this somehow come back on me that I... I don't know what I'm talking about. Here's, I think it's this thing where it's socially laughable to do that. <laughs> I th- and I think it all comes from this, uh, this ignorance about how how they're supposed to deal with race because they know that they're not supposed to be racist, but they are. <laughs> <laughs> Am I being racist right now? Ugh, I better whisper because it's because like my mother says that she's not a racist. She got fired from her job that she was at for 20 years after her boss re- was retired and was replaced by an African American woman. And somehow my mother got fired soon after. <laughs> <laughs> and she would probably explain as, well, she didn't like me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because my she mother's a racist bitch. <laughs> um, I don't have to listen to her. Yeah, because all she did was come home and talk about how this how she was just out there to help the black people and hated white oh. people. Oh, God. It's this no. weird thing where it's like they're not racist. It's the black people are taking advantage of the white people. <laughs> That's a fun Obama microcosm. <laughs> yeah. And it's all- she thinks that just because she's the leader, <laughs> it's it's this weird, it's this backwards, um, it's this it's this fear and it's it's uh, projection of their own racism, and so that any time talking about anything that deals with race, they're they don't know where they stand because they don't know where reality is. Right. Well, Pleasant Hills is ninety seven percent white. Mm-hmm. It's a population of about eight thousand. Again, it's like a it's a suburb. It's a borough for God's sake, and. I, I barely saw any black people when I was out and about, and uh, the few people I did, I was just like, it's it was so scattered that I just thought to myself, I, I, I don't know, I guess I'm just used to being in Chicago where it's so clearly a mixture of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you're getting everything all at once, and when you shift back into a smaller town mindset, it's kind of disturbing. Yeah. And... At the same time, I wasn't—I didn't walk around and I didn't notice any openly, you know, proud, effeminate gay men or women, you know, and that, you know, that's harder to read, but I didn't see any, anybody that I could classify as a gay couple or, it was just, I don't know. After a while, I was like, I gotta get out of here because I, I, I don't understand how you can live in a place where you're either so bold that you say dumb things or you're so ashamed that you say that you make statements that you think somehow will offend. Yeah. But it's oh, it's so it's it's so it's snake eating its own tail. Yeah. It's it's insane. What black people do you think you're going to offend by saying black? There's no one here. Ah. <sighs> uh, so is it safe to say that at the end of this episode we won't be going nigger cock? Uh, no. No, okay. we will not. We will not. <laughs> Jonathan, those are bad words. So. <laughs> 
bad, bad words. I, I, oh, I, I do remember the time that my mother sat me down and said, I don't really care what you do with your life. Just m- make sure you never bring home a oh black girl or a man. Oh, my God. Yeah. What in the world? Yeah. I don't care what you do with your life. You can drug up. You can booze up. I don't care. <laughs> Just don't make me deal with a black person. A I, I think a you black mean a, man. a black. A black. 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 <laughs> are your cords straining? Yes, they are. Because of black people. My they make my cords strapping. <laughs> Damn it, it's just because she's in charge that... <laughs> Stop saying these things. Oh, you're awful. Well, oh. She, she also has a friend that, like, uh, after uh, Obama was elected, he, like, started, like, stockpiling guns and ammunition. Sure. Yeah, sure. Because yeah. he's gonna need them. Because Obama is so anti-gun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, anti-gun people. I love them. Because any, any, any change in policy, they see as a reason to... They just need a reason to stockpile. They love oh. it. <laughs> Fuck, I hate guns so much. Wait a minute, you're taught they held a quorum? Fuck it, I'm on bullets. Uh, Brad, I think we need to shake off all this homophobia and... I think we do, I think we do coded indeed. Coded racism. How about, a, how about a delightful game? I love a delightful game. Jonathan, it's been a while since we've played a little game called Here's the Pitch, Netflix game. The Pitch game. Netflix pitch. Here's a you game. Gotta work on that. Gotta get that pitch. I never had a solid name, I don't think. I think it's called Here's the Pitch. Okay. Here's the pitch, Netflix, the game that involves <laughs> Netflix films. All right, well, I've got I got some films here, and I've got a synopsis of the film. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're going to need to do is come up with a title, uh, with a, hopefully a tagline for the film. Sure. And I'm going to need you to, to cast it and maybe okay. uh, maybe maybe punch it up a little bit. I, I need you to do some script punch-ups. And I like how there's an element of this game where you can either be wrong or right, and you're always wrong. <laughs> because then you reveal what the movie actually is. It's like, Jonathan, no, you didn't get that right at all. <laughs> you know, maybe you can make a remake someday. Um, it's a game of losing. It is. It's a game of fun, though. It's so- the ultimate game of sorry. So I've got the descriptions here. Um, okay. We'll start off with the first one. I think you're going to enjoy this. Although the son of a skilled golfer and an outstanding player in his own right, Miller is too nervous to golf in front of a gallery. <laughs> so he becomes a coach and a caddy for Joe Anthony, his girlfriend's brother. But Joe Anthony has to convince his fisherman father that hitting a little ball into a hole can be more lucrative than trawling the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Whilst on the PGA Tour, they're recognized by a shrewd agent who senses their talent and potential in the entertainment industry. Oh. <laughs> what do you think about this rad film? <laughs> Why did you describe it as being rad? Because it's super rad. <laughs> Does it actually say that it is super rad? No, that's 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 my own interpretation. <laughs> this movie, that doesn't sound at all dry or boring. It's very clearly rad and tubular. <laughs> it's super tubular. So uh, you, what, do you, what, what can you do with this, Jonathan? The I'm really excited. went into the family history of the characters the more <laughs> I got confused. So it starts off with a girlfriend's brother whose yeah, yeah. father doesn't understand why his cousin. <laughs> All right, we we got we've got uh, we've got our one character, a uh, Miller, who's Miller. too he's too ner- he's a he's he's the son of a skilled golfer. <laughs> sure. And he's also a really good golfer himself, but he's too nervous to do it professionally. Can't do it. So w- let me let me see if I can review this myself. We've got Miller, and I think his father should probably be a character in this because clearly there's an influence there. Mm-hmm. There's a there's like a maybe a tumultuous back and forth between the two. There's a rivalry. Yeah. Uh, then we got Miller's girlfriend, right? And then the girlfriend's brother, 
Right. Right. Who, yeah. And then, who, who, and then the brother's father. Yes. Who is also the fisherman. father of the girlfriend. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, and Jesus throw, Christ. Uh, just throw, throw in another girlfriend so both guys have ladies. How about that? Oh. <laughs> a, guy, a guy and a girl and the, two, and the two fathers. It'll make it very symmetrical and easy. Jesus Christ. Okay, so I've got a big cast i got to fill out here. Okay, um, when you say gallery, <laughs> I'm thinking that this can be a lot more uh, magical <laughs> than what was originally maybe intended on the page. Because uh, when you say he he's a really good golfer, but he just can't bring himself to golf in front of a gallery, <laughs> mm-hmm. I see this as... You know, the the big final scene should be a golf tournament inside a massive art gallery. <laughs> and the problem is that he's he just gets nervous around all that art. <laughs> he doesn't wanna he doesn't wanna <laughs> tear it up with his golf swing or have a golf ball go through the Mona Lisa. What if what if that happened? That'd be crazy. <laughs> and his father, who is <laughs> Okay, so we got Miller. I'll figure out who's playing him in a second. Right. The father of Miller is played by Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> oh, nice. And Dustin Hoffman's got this, uh, he's kind of got this laid-back quality that Miller never was able to achieve. He's really maybe pent up and a little wound tight. Mm. And he, he's so mad because he's a good golfer, but he just can't be as good as his dad because his dad is so cool. <laughs> so Dustin Hoffman, he, he's, he always cut to Dustin Hoffman with like like a mint julep in his hand and <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's always cracking wise with the old cougar ladies on the on the golf on the golf field. <laughs> nice. Um, and I think Miller should be played by uh, maybe like a heartthrob, someone someone we can get the girls liking. Uh, you know, you know, someone like a Zac Efron, maybe a Chase Crawford, okay. star of What to Expect When You're Expecting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, let's go with the. It wouldn't make any sense for Dustin Hoffman to have a son who is Zac Efron. <laughs> so maybe maybe we'll go a little older. Uh, let's go with... <laughs> uh, we'll have Channing Tatum play the brother of the girlfriend. <laughs> all right, all right. So Channing Tatum, is maybe he's like, maybe he's this meathead golfer who's just like, I want to golf, but my dad doesn't understand. <laughs> Come on, Miller, you can help me. <laughs> uh, and we'll have Miller played by... <clears throat> fuck it. Like, we'll, we'll just go much older than I originally played. Let's have M- Matt Damon play Miller. <laughs> Matt Damon has experience in golfing films. <laughs> nice. So we got Dustin Hoffman related to Matt Damon. Matt Damon is dating that classy lady who we always get because she can add a level of charm Mm -hmm. and ease of grace uh, to any film, Amy Adams. Oh, nice. Okay. So Matt Damon is dating Amy Adams, who is related to Channing Tatum, and their father, respectively, is of course played by Clint Eastwood, who is a (laughs) hard-bitten bastard who... (laughs) is obsessed with his son following in his footsteps. And by God, if he'll go to a golf tournament at a sissy art gallery. You're going to be a fisherman like me, son. Damn it. And here's the thing. The art gallery comes to life at night. (laughs) So Dustin Hoffman takes Matt Damon aside and is like, look, I'm going to have to teach you a little something about this art gallery. (laughs) And they go, and Matt Damon's like, what? I'm talking to the stars in Starry Night? I'm talking to David himself? This is crazy. (laughs) And Channing Tatum is even more stupefied because he's kind of the dumb comic relief. Right. Oh, but he has a girlfriend too, who is, of course, played by... (laughs) I don't know, who's like a good bimbo-esque actor that we can get uh oh hell let's just get that girl from twilight <laughs> who plays the psychic vampire oh uh, ashley green 
Ashley Green. Yes, let's get Ashley Green to Foxy. be like his ditzy, goofy, foxy girlfriend. Um, <laughs> and at first, none of them believe in the magic of the gallery. <laughs> But then Dustin kind of throws back the curtains and shows them the secrets. And, you know, through a little bit of flim-flam, a little bit of tomfoolery, maybe they get Clint Eastwood on their side as well. And at the end of the day, the big golf tournament comes, and they win! Happy ending. Um, I, I, oh. uh, what about the uh, shrewd, Aiden who senses, the shrewd agent who senses <laughs> their talent and potential in the entertainment industry? I mean, do I even have to say that's been played by Danny DeVito? <laughs> Danny DeVito is the uh, salty cigar chomping agent. Awesome. Who thinks he can make a movie out of this, but they don't want him involved because he'll try to take advantage of the magical <laughs> art gallery. I smell a scoop. Yo, get out of here. I love it. But he's a lovable antagonist. Like, you don't really take him that seriously. I like this. I like this. Clint Eastwood's kind of the big bad of this scenario. Mm-hmm. Oh, and of course, the credits are set to 2D animation and a fun pop song. <laughs> Of all of our characters in, like, cel-shaded animation. Awesome. The end. Oh, and the tagline. We need a title and a tagline. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, okay, so... uh, Like, father, like... (laughs) This is always the hardest part for me. Um, the film will be called... Uh, it'll be called... For my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's what it'll be called. And sometimes... Uh, the tagline will be, sometimes the only way to get yourself out of a hole is to sink into it. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Awesome. Uh, maybe there's, maybe there's a, maybe there's a threat against the art gallery that they don't have enough money to keep it open. I don't know. <laughs> so they have the idea to have a golf tournament in the art gallery. Uh, I know how to raise money, dad. We'll have a golf tournament in the gallery. Wonderful. But son, art makes you nervous. <laughs> The way to get yourself out of a hole. Ever since that terrible accident you had with art. You know, I think if Alex was here, he'd be like, now, Jonathan, that title and tagline, I don't know, I think he could have done better. Very critical. Very critical, Alex. Very critical. He's the Clint Eastwood of that film. (laughs) I'm sorry, Jonathan. Um, I think you failed. Oh, I lost. Okay, well. (laughs) You lost because this is is one of my favorite films, actually, of all time. Uh, This is The Caddy, starring Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. Clearly. Yes. Jerry Lewis, of course, playing the the nervous Miller. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> and Dean Martin as the suave Joe Anthony, whose oh. fisherman father won't let him uh, play. How, I love that Dean Martin is supposed to have, like, a, a mean father. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, he's an, old, he's an old Italian guy that doesn't understand that you can make money in golf. God. Dean Martin looked perpetually 60 at all times. I love that someone was supposed to play his, like, salty father. Well, this was this was one of their earlier films, so... Oh, okay. They were, they were in well, their prime. Did someone of note play the agent? Um, no, not so much the agent or the fathers, but the leading ladies, uh, Jerry Lewis's woman was Barbara Bates, and okay. Dean Martin's love was Donna Reed. Ooh, nice. Indeed. I love how Jerry Lewis was basically starring in films the way Rob Schneider used to star in films. It was it, it seemed to be always the blank, the caddy, the bellhop. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love him. I the love animal, them. The hot chick. Such a good movie. Uh, well, that's too bad that I lost. <laughs> Sorry, you failed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Beep boop. Would you like to try another one? Uh, sure, sure. Maybe redeem yourself in the eyes of <laughs> Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> He's not a good pitchmeister at this point. He's he's so green. All right, oh, this is a pretty uh, epic description here. So, uh, <laughs> strap in. <laughs> bear with me. Jesus. I I, I had to. Do, of course, I had to do a little bit of editing on both of these to uh, not give anything away. 
Netflix usually doesn't have such crazy long descriptions either. I, well, actually, I didn't pull from Netflix. I, I actually pulled from IMDb. Oh, okay. Mm. Here's the pitch, Imdba. <laughs> Here's the pitch, Imdba. Arrested and falsely convicted of treason, a skilled doctor is banished to the West Indies and sold into slavery. <laughs> like you do. Yes. In Port Royal, Jamaica, the governor's daughter, Aurella Bishop, buys him for 10 pounds to spider uncle, Colonel Bishop who owns a major plantation there. Oh, fuck you, Brad. We have three characters, all right? We have a, we have a doctor sold into slavery. Yes, um, the woman who buys the him. The woman that buys him and Colonel yeah, Bishop. she's spiting. Right. <laughs> Life is hard for the man on the plantation. But by chance, our doctor treats the governor's gout and is soon on his good side. That's all it takes. Treat some gout. Hey. Hey, I like you. You're on the good side. Uh, it's not enough. He dreams of freedom, and when the opportunity strikes, he and his friends rebel, taking over a Spanish ship that attacked the city. <laughs> Soon, they are the most feared pirates on the seas. Stop it. <laughs> They're men without a country attacking all the ships. In hour nine of this film. <laughs> God. <clears throat> when his treasonous former ally, Levasseur... Sure. Kidnaps Arabella, our leading man, decides to return to Port Royal, only to find that it's under the control of England's newest enemy, France. <laughs> oh, God. Now the pirates have to decide whether they're going to fight the French and help out uh, England, who has called them pirates. Okay, well, I'm, I, right from the get-go, I'm going to sell this as a madcap comedy. Wonderful. A, a, the gods must be crazy, a, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna just pack this to the brim with celebrity cameos just coming out the ass. Love that. Uh, this is gonna be a period, oh, cause, cause period wacky madcap comedies always do so well. <laughs> always. As, uh, as, <laughs> as anyone will tell you. Right. Um, okay, so let's, let's start where we did with that last film I did. For my dad. <laughs> Sometimes get out of a hole. <laughs> yeah, first I have to sink into it. Um, let's start with the casting like I did the last time. Uh, so what do we got? We got the doctor, the good doctor. Um, honestly, I see that being played by like a guy who you don't think is going to be the center of a madcap comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you need like kind of a dramatic heavy to center it, and then everything around him is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to get Don Cheadle. <laughs> nice. As the good doctor who... I'm sorry, you said he was accused of treason and banished? Yes. To the West Indies where he sold it to slavery. (laughs) What time period is this? This is just the craziest set of circumstances for this poor man to go through. But then he is bought by uh, this lovely lady for 10 pounds. And I'm thinking that we get... uh, I think her name is pronounced Sofia Vergara. Okay, all right. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the lovely Hispanic lady from Modern Family, and she's she's done a bit of film work, basically playing the same character, right? Uh, of a big, big bosomed Hispanic woman who's very sassy. Uh, so I see her playing like <laughs> the the beautician to his beast, right? And you know they kind of have a a scrappy affair, but eventually they do find an affection for each other. And the father, inexplicably, oh sorry, is, it's, it's uncle. Oh, the uncle that yes. she's trying to spite. Yes. The uncle will inexplicably be played by Mickey Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> Who at this point is a squat pink boil of a man. Ah, wonderful. 
who never rises from his chair. Like he, I, I like to think of him as always in uh, like the island of Doctor Moreau canopy chair. Nice. <laughs> it's being tucked around, and he's always going. Meh. I don't like this. Well, I don't care, Uncle. I am buying Don Cheadle. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I also think that maybe. Uh, <laughs> I think there could be room for dozens upon dozens of shitty-ass celebrity cameos. We also, because, oh, sorry, the other major character would be uh, Levisor, the treasonous former ally. Oh, the trees! Yes, I was about to say, because I kept thinking, he's got to have a friend. Like, he's got to have mm-hmm. some, you know, charming fella that he kind of falls in line with mm-hmm. until he's betrayed. Um, and I see that character being played by a... Uh, <laughs> We're going to make this even more inexplicable. Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Tom Hanks, I want him to be playing, like, the, the like, the, uh... <laughs> in Oliver Twist, what's the name of the kid who ch- teaches Oliver the ropes? Dodger. Dodger. Dodger, yes. The artful Dodger. So, um, Tom Hanks is going to be, like... <laughs> he's going to be inexplicably the uh, streetwise, young, uh, <laughs> artful Dodger. Nice. And he's going to teach him the lay of the land, like, look, buddy, you're new here, but I can I can help you out. But, you know, there's a rift that's caused when he becomes a man in the uncle's good graces. Mm. Because now Tom Hanks feels he's been left behind. Nice. And all of the other slaves are like, I, I don't know, who do you want? Because we're putting them in there. We've, maybe we got, <laughs> I'm sure Danny DeVito's in there. <laughs> Always. That man gets so much work. That's good. Killian Murphy's in there, bizarrely. <laughs> As some sort of, like, creepy, whittling man. <laughs> yes. Like, you, you always just cut to Killian just whittling something. Nice. It turns, and he's mute, but he, he whittles a cute little bird for Don Cheadle. <laughs> um, it, the, the comedy's going to be terrible. The script is going to be just atrocious. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just um, wackiness all over the place. Yep. And then, of course, we need a Frenchman to kind of boot out Mickey Rooney after the... Uh, after the after the revolution on the clearly Spanish pirate ship, and uh, the Frenchman will inexplicably—I'll use that word again. Did I mention the title of the movie is inexplicably amazing? <laughs> that, that's the name of the movie. Awesome. Inexplicably amazing. What audience wouldn't want to go see a film called that? Uh, the Frenchman who takes over is, of course, played by. Who's the guy on the uh, fashion design show who says, make it work, designers? <laughs> I don't know his oh, name off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, um, Tim Gunn. Tim Gunn. Yes, that's it. Thank you very much. So we have Tim Gunn trying his best to do a French accent. And, of course, of course, John Lovitz plays his sidekick. <laughs> Yes, John Lovett's not at all tried to do a French accent. Like, oh, hi there. What's going on over here? And Tim I am like, a Frenchman. And Tim Gunn's like, je voudrais avec moi, c'est soir. And Mickey Rooney's in jail, and they have to save him, because he's not really that bad of a guy. Right, right. He's just salty and saucy. <laughs> um, and, uh, it, yeah, it's going to be a madcap comedy, and at the end, everyone will sing a big song. Because a lot of marriages will be taking place and flower petals will be thrown around because mm-hmm. they'll have defeated the French using their newfound pirate skills. Right. And maybe maybe Tom Hanks comes around at the end. I don't want anyone to have a bad ending. Both films today will have universally happy endings. Ah. And, of course, the credits will be set to 2D animation. 
Nice, nice. Uh, the title of it is, of course, uh, as I said before, inexplicably amazing. And the tagline is, you've never seen more stars than in the night sky. <laughs> or No, I'll change it slightly. The last time you saw this many stars was out your window. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'll work on it. All right. All right. All right. I just want to emphasize how many stars are in the film. So all the stars. <laughs> all of them. More cameos than the Muppets. Yep. Oh, God, so many more. At and, least 40 more. But a lot of crossover, strangely enough. Yeah, Sarah Silverman's in there. But we also got Julia Roberts, Michelle Pfeiffer. And who, who do you want? Because we got him. Ooh, I like that. I like, that's really interesting. Um, I think we're going to go a different way. Oh, damn it. Yeah, Um. again, one of my one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, this is 1935's Captain Blood. Oh, clearly. <laughs> 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 Captain Blood, which could only have been made in the 1930s. Uh, starring Errol Flynn, uh-huh. Olivia de Havilland, Lionel Atwood, and Basil Rathbone as Levisor. I'm sorry, could you say that one name? <laughs> Basil Rathbone? Oh my goodness, what a delightful name for the screen. Oh, do you, I, are you not familiar? I am not familiar, no. Oh, he's brilliant. He, he, was, uh, he played Sherlock Holmes. Oh, okay, the, all right. Great, great, s- great classic actor. I assume Errol Flynn played The Good Doctor. Yes, yes. All right, all right. And I'm sorry, who played the uh, the uh, the irascible uncle? <laughs> that was Lionel Atwell. Okay, okay. <laughs> niece, don't you dare buy that silly. Yeah. I'm doing it, uncle. <laughs> um, oh, I didn't give you taglines for um, for these film for the last one either. Oh, okay. But oh, but the taglines for this one are pretty great. There's four. First, the most the most magnificent and thrilling adventure ever filmed. Oh my god. Back when hyperbole wasn't a word. <laughs> a million dollars worth of an adventure. <laughs> to do justice in words to its fascination is impossible. Oh, that's really badly worded. Yeah, it's really That's awkward. really clunky on their part. Alright, but the last one I really like. Uh, his sword carved his name across the continents and his glory across the seas. Oh, I liked it better when it stopped right where you paused. I I, I like that one most of all, though. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Because it's actually evocative, but it's not exaggerating. <laughs> it's not trying to make you think that it's the best movie ever made. I'm sorry, I forgot to give you the taglines for uh, the caddy. <laughs> this is what we went with. Uh, what was your? Do you remember what yours was again? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the only way to get yourself out of a hole is to sink into it. <laughs> right, well, maybe it was something a little different. We've got two to choose from. Stupid tagline. <laughs> One of them being yours for laughs. I'm sorry, what? Yours for laughs. That makes no sense to me. What is that supposed to be in terms of a joke or a pun? Well, for, F-O-R-E, like you, you say when you are when you hit the golf ball. Oh, sure. Right. But yours for laughs? Yes. I, 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 like you, if you saw me right now, my eyes would be boggling in my head like marbles. I have no idea what that means. This film is yours for laughs. It's yours Terri- for laughs. Oh, how about so, the other tagline? It's terrible. That makes no sense. I will, you listen to the other one. You'll like it better. His sword cut across the continents and his glory across the seas. Jerry Lewis is the caddy. Goofy golfers, ellipses, winning the laughing cup. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> Goofy golfers winning the laughing cup. Oh, I'm going to be sick. I think I'm actually going to be sick. <laughs> I have bile in my tummy. <sighs> Sorry, Jonathan, I don't think Hollywood's ready for you. Damn it. 
Ah, fuck. I'm never going to sell any of these scripts. You'll never sell a script in the 1930s or the 1950s. Nope. <laughs> because I'm trying to do I'm trying to do throwback films is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> these films they, these films were very much of their time and they're proud of it. Oh well. <laughs> um Well Brad, I have I have one more thing uh to discuss. Uh I, I brought one more thing to the table today. And because you you've been talking with Alex more often than usual about your bad sleeping habits, but also it's not because you're having night terrors or bad dreams, and we all know that's because you don't have dreams. Right. <laughs> or hopes or aspirations or goals. <laughs> I'm empty inside. You're, you're an empty shell receptacle <laughs> that you place food and coffee into. Um, <laughs> no, like, normally you dream in abstract shapes that right. bounce around like a computer screensaver, because <laughs> you're a robot. Yeah. It's, it's been put to sleep. Oh, you admit it. <laughs> kind of, yeah. That's me. When I was in Pittsburgh for this past Winter Solstice Jubilee, I, I don't know what it is, but every fucking night when I went to bed, I had the most psychotic, fucked up, nonsensical dreams, and I don't really dream when I'm in Chicago. So there was something about, if I could get a little uh, pseudoscience something about the energy of Pittsburgh <laughs> was making me have fucked up dreams. And I'll try and go in order of... Least ridiculous to most ridiculous. Um, the one that I remember that has the shortest synopsis, uh, <laughs> I was in a log cabin, and I was with a group of people, but the only person I remember from the group was Ridley Scott. And Ridley Scott informed me in a very solemn, but very, uh, at the same time, caring tone, said, I would like to cast you in Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, I, in the dream began to sob out of pure joy because I knew I had made it as an actor. That's the end of dream number one. You made it. You made it. So let's make this more interactive. You're in the so, prequel that's not a prequel. Oh, but it's totally a prequel. Yeah. That's what pisses me off at that goddamn movie. Ah. Um, so, Brad, what I want you to do, uh, as I tell you these dreams, I just came up with this, I want you to be my Joseph King of dreams and use your Technicolor dream coat to interpret what my dream means. Hmm. What should I do, O King of Dreams? All right, all right. Joseph had his da-da-da. Well, clearly, uh, he's offering you a job. Mm-hmm. In, in a log cabin. Right. Um, a log cabin, of course. Uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln was born in a log cabin. A log mm-hmm. cabin is it's, it's a place where, where great people come from. <gasps> oh, fascinating. And this you're being offered the chance, which you believe is you're going to really make it. Once, once this offer fulfills itself. Okay, okay. So by him offering you that, he's offering you a chance at greatness, but you're blind to the fact that, that it, maybe it's not that great. <laughs> it's, it's Prometheus. <laughs> but, but, he, but he's also such a, in the dream, he's such a strong, authoritative male mm, figure. Maybe right. I should be looking out for someone coming towards me in my real life mm. who, you know, has great influence and power. What do there's, you think? There's something powerful that's going to offer you something that you think is going to fix all of your problems and make you who you are, <laughs> but in reality... Isn't that great? It's not that great. It's fucking Prometheus. It's a prequel that's not even a fucking prequel. <laughs> uh, really, Scott, Be wary. You, Be wary, What would you say to the reports that this is a prequel to Alien? Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Tangentially, maybe. Maybe the DNA of Alien is in this film. You need to set Fuck your sights higher. Okay, I think that's right. what this dream is about. All right, I might hire you as my professional dream interpreter, but here's the thing. I got more dreams. I got more dreams that I got to tell you about. So until I'm, I'm going to put off hiring you until you right, tell right, me right. more about this. So my second dream 
maybe even more simple to explain. Uh, I was part of a group that would go to different locations. I believe at one point we were on a subway. At one point we were like in an like an open field, uh, yet that was still you know open to the public. Mm-hmm. And this group. Wait, wait, wait. How many? Th- how many fields are not open to the public? Yeah, but not like uh, I mean, like not a, a grassland that was away from civilization, like okay. a private. Like we've we've removed ourselves from the sights of others. No, okay. no, no, maybe like a maybe like a field that was next to a soccer field, okay, <laughs> or something. You know, easily where people could see us, right, right. Uh, because the big reveal of this dream is that I was part of a group that bordered into being a cult, and the gimmick or the uh, thesis of this group was we're public masturbators. <laughs> <laughs> and we would go to different places, like a subway car or a field mm. or a street, and just publicly masturbate together. <laughs> so tell me, soothsayer, what does this dream mean for me, the pharaoh of all Egypt? <laughs> well, um, hmm. what does the subway mean? What does the field mean? <laughs> well, these are common places. These are these are these are uh, regular places where regular people would be. Sure. The salt of well, the earth. might see public masturbation. The salt of the earth, if you will. <laughs> and it, it, it's an average Joe hangout, a subway, a, a field. It's for the common, simple people, right? Sh- sure, sure. But you're going there and you're defying it. <laughs> you're going there. We're bucking the standards of the social contract. You're shaking things up like a new rookie on the force. Sure, sure. In a bizarre fashion. <laughs> Collectively, we are a bash. <laughs> right. You, you, you are the bash uh, of masturbators. And bash and prostate bash. <laughs> <laughs> now, so we're, now, I have to ask, oh, what were your feelings towards this? Were you like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a public masturbator in a club. Um, I, I I'm think cool I with was, this? Yeah, I think I was fully assimilated into that group. Okay. There were no reservations. It was like I, I was one of a larger entity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe a dozen or so. I think maybe a little less. <laughs> so maybe maybe it means that I, I need to break away from my routine. Maybe like shake up expectations of others have for me. Exactly. I think you need I think you need to shake it up. Go out there. Uh, be wild and free. Don't be like afraid. This. Side Don't... note: I like this game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at first I was like, oh, this will be boring. It'll just be me talking about my dreams. But now I like this. <laughs> well, you know, Ridley. I think what we learned from Ridley Scott was that your expectations were too low. And now uh, you feel yes. confined and you feel the need to break the system because you're realizing as time goes on that, hey, this isn't good enough. I need to shake things up. Yeah, it's like I wanted I wanted professional or financial success and acceptance so badly that I didn't realize that it didn't mean anything. What I really needed to do was just publicly masturbate <laughs> <laughs> on a subway car with many other people doing the same. And no one's going to fucking stop you. No one. Both of them are weirded out. <laughs> yep, they'll just turn away or look into their girl with the dragon tattoo book. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Okay, Go for don't it. be afraid is Go the lesson it. of that truth. Go for it. <laughs> okay, Bounds a reason. The... Bounds a reason. Go for it. All right, uh, dr- dream catcher. <laughs> My third dream is uh, is as such. Uh, did you ever see the movie Larger Than Life? I have not. Larger Than Life, do you know what it is? Uh, no. Larger Than Life is the Bill Murray movie where Bill Murray is saddled with an elephant that he must deliver on the other side of the country. There's far too many of those. Operation Dumbo Drop comes to mind. (laughs) Every time I think of Larger Than Life, I at first mistakenly identify it as Operation Dumbo Drop. Right. But this is like a road movie. This is like planes, trains, and automobiles, but just with a human and an elephant. And there's a lot of wacky uh, circumstances, but... 
here's the thing. I feel like my dream was that movie, except it was me and a ferret. <laughs> so the entire dream, and it felt like this went on for days and days of dream time. This fucking ferret. I think in the movie he develops a, like a you know a, a a camaraderie with the elephant. He cares for the sake of the elephant. Mm. And in this dream, I hated this ferret. Um, it never stopped trying to wriggle its way out of my grasp, mm-hmm. and it was like biting me and running away from me. And it was like a safety last scenario because I kept getting into terribly dangerous situations because of this ferret. I was on top of high buildings, I was in traffic, I was in awkward social situations because it was running through groups of people and parties, and I I don't know what the fuck I needed to do, I just knew that I needed to keep it and not let it get away. (laughs) I don't think I was, I think we were traveling, but there was no goal in mind. Mm -hmm. I just knew that wherever we were going, I just needed to keep the ferret with me. And that's my dream. <laughs> this is the toughest challenge you've ever had to face, This Joseph. is tough. Well, I think, I think the first thing we need to realize is that ferrets are small and useless animals. <laughs> yes, they are. This, terrible pets. Terrible. This isn't a majestic elephant that you have to protect because there's so few in the world. Yeah, ferrets don't even have beautiful ivory. <laughs> this, is, this is something you're saddled with. Uh, this is something uh, small and horrific and grotesque. Yes. You don't want this problem, but but you but you but you're saddled with it. And yeah, I'm desperate to keep it almost right. in the dream. In in fact, it's something that you could easily just just dispose of and not worry about, but you feel compelled mm-hmm. to go through these adventures to 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 successfully uh, deliver it to you its eventual location. Dangerous situations. I put myself in harm's way I, I, just to keep this negative force in my life. Why would you do this, Jonathan? What is this? I, I don't know. Like Maybe I feel that if I let it get away from me that everything really will fall apart. Everything will go out of control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's, it's shitty to have this thing near me, but at least near me I can watch it and I can manage it, you know, so it doesn't wreak havoc on the rest of the world. I think you need to unleash this albatross. And realize, it's a fucking ferret. No one cares. No one cares. You're the only one that cares about this stupid ferret. Yeah, 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 you're right. You could shoot it in the skull right now, and no one would care. I should shoot the ferret in the skull. I want you to find your metaphorical ferret deep inside you and kill it. So here's what we've learned. Fuck you, Ridley Scott. You gotta dream bigger, feel free, and kill your ferret. Kill your ferret. (laughs) I want you to take this silver pistol (laughs) with one bullet... I want you to cock it, and I want you to put it in the mouth of that ferret. Don't let that ferret dictate your life. That ferret's going to score him, too. It's going to resist death every step of the way. But you got to make it happen. Indeed. Wow. All right, all right. As a pharaoh of Egypt, I've deemed you worthy. I will not have you beheaded as a heretic. Whew. I feel like you really are speaking from a higher power. <laughs> Whew. I was in the stocks for days, the Egyptian stocks. I thought, I thought General Washington was going to have me hung. I almost made a connection when I said ivory in regards to elephants. I was yeah, like, you know, yeah. you can make teeth out of those things. I saw it there, but kept moving. <laughs> now, now I'm trying to do it after the fact, and it sucks. Always look Kill forward. Always look forward, never back. <laughs> if you learn nothing from your dreams. And that was the dream interpretation uh, game. Pew, Brad, king of dreams. That's what we'll call that game. <laughs> I know all the sports facts and all the dream facts. Uh, do you remember the movie The Prince of Egypt? I have heard of, have not watched. Uh, yeah, the, the animated DreamWorks Moses story. Yeah. There was a sequel, direct-to-video, called Joseph, King of Dreams. 
Uh, guess who played Joseph? That's right, Ben Affleck. <laughs> In a direct-to-video story of Joseph. Yikes. We're doing so well back then. That weight is off my shoulders. Good. Hurrah. Last episode, uh, we promoted CarnyCast uh, with the emotion of anger. Urgh. And it was, it was very effective. I think Claire said that their numbers have uh, quadrupled. Really? Indeed. Quadrupled, some might say. <laughs> and so I, I feel we should do this at service again for another sure. podcast. Um, they've played our promo recently. So uh, we'll be promoting the show FisherCast. It's a Six Feet Under podcast. And if their promo was played at 1.5 speed, as all promos should be, except ours, because it's awesome, it would sound like this. Here at FisherCast, a Six Feet Under retrospective, we're just dying to make your acquaintance. The critically acclaimed and Emmy Award-winning Six Feet Under aired on HBO in the early 2000s for five seasons. It was a quirky drama that took a darkly comic look at the dysfunctional Fisher family, who run an independent general home in Los Angeles. I'm Robin, and one of my favorite shows has always been Six Feet Under. I find the most fun way to rewatch any great series with friends who have never seen it. So, following the format created by the great Buffy rewatch podcast, Potential Cast, I've invited my friends Dez and Moira to watch it with me. So Hop in the green earth with us and let's go for a ride. If you've seen every episode, this is a fun way to rewatch it. But if you're new to it, like us, you don't need to worry about spoilers. Visit us on the web at fishercast.blogspot.com. Or find us on iTunes. Just search for Fishercast. Fishercast, the six feet under retrospective. Every day above ground is a good one. <laughs> um, now, obviously, uh, uh, their promo is just not effective. It's, it's not working. No, but no. you know what helps is when you zoom through it. Well, I think what would help more than anything is promoting their show and making an emotional connection with a listener. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> okay, I see what you're doing. Yeah, uh, well, I, okay, I'm, I'm new to this. Uh, Alex has experience with this. Hmm. Uh, so, Brian, what is what is the emotion that I need to? I, I'm an actor. I can do this, Right, I think. right, right. So I think we should channel the emotion, because it's, it's a show about a, a family that runs a, a funeral parlor. Sure. So I think we should maybe go with the emotion of fear. Fear. Okay, yeah. all right. All right, uh, give me a second. Oh, I just, I just don't know what we're going to do, Brad. I, <gasps> I'm so scared. I'm so scared. There, There's not enough quality podcasts out there, and I just, I'm afraid <gasps> that I won't have anything to listen to on the treadmill. I'm afraid there aren't enough people listening to FisherCast. Oh, did you feel that? I felt what? a chill up my spine. Oh my god. It was the chill of bad podcasting. What, what, can, what can save me from... Oh my god, it's right around the corner. I saw something. Oh god. I saw something. Oh god. It was created by Alan Ball, the TV show. He wrote five women wearing the same dress, and that play scares me. Because <laughs> it's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> oh Seriously, that, that, that play really is fucking everywhere. I'm it's a really, bit ubiquitous at this point. I'm but anyway. Really sick of it. Ah! Ah! Oh, oh my look god. Over there. Look over there. It's a, it's a moldy piece of badly edited, badly recorded Frankenstein mashup. Podcasting, and it's coming right toward us. The well, how do we, we stop it? How do we stop it? The only way we could possibly ward it off is with a bit of quality podcasting. And of course, when I say that, I mean I am referring to, of course, the Fisher Cast. Yes. I hope it works. Oh my god. I'm scared. I'm scared that you aren't listening to it. I'd hold you, Brad, but you're not a really touchy feely person. I'm not. That would terrify me. Don't touch me. <laughs> I'm going to put in my earbuds and close my eyes and just listen to the Boy. Fisher Cast. I just want to listen to the podcast. <laughs> I, think we, I think we did well. That's, I, I think that's quality promotion. Yes. It's, four it's, it's, years an emo- it's about an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. I think my four years of uh, acting education in college served mm. me well just then. Indeed, indeed. That's... 
30 shows, 30 shows on my resume. I think, I think I just used all of that, all that training. So if you come up against a bit of horrifyingly bad podcasting, just play that zipped up, zoomed up version of the uh, FisherCast promo and all of those evil podcasting spirits will be swept away. Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> While we're promoting podcasts, Jonathan, you don't have a promo. I don't. But I will let you promote your podcast yourself, if you like. And then you'll go back and zoom it at 1.5 speed. Yes, yes I will. The show that I, I actually mentioned it earlier in a bit of uh, uh, bad referencing. Um, it's Cough Syrup. I co-host it with my good friend Michael Stone. And I feel like I'm yelling. Maybe I should take it down. Down to the whisper where you say the word black. <laughs> I'll just whisper the promo. Um, and we, we tackle two topics in every episode. Uh, we say that it's strictly tied, but <laughs> more and more I realize that the reins have been pulled from me and the horses are galloping away. It's strictly timed to an hour plus 15 to 20. Well, we, we have the, the main show, and then we have an exit song, like a little bit of music to play us out. But then right. afterwards we always have a bonus show, a bit of... Uh, a bonus material, and that—that that is usually what adds on to the right, overall right, right. length. Quality but stuff. If you're a fan of Ramjack's longer episodes, then you'll think these were a breeze. Indeed, you'll be like an hour and twenty, an hour twenty-five. That's easy. <laughs> I recommend it wholeheartedly. In most Ramjack episodes, you could also concurrently watch Doctor Zhivago. <laughs> but we do co- we cover a hell of a lot of material on Ramjack. You you do. To be fair, <laughs> like it's kind of amazing how much we put into that time yep. period. I would agree. But yes, Cough Syrup, uh, we're on iTunes. We're also uh, streaming on coughsyrup.libsyn.com. All right, uh, we get get some voicemail here. Ooh. So uh, let's check it in. Let's see what's happening. Howdy, Ramjack. uh, Paul Mackey here at my work facility. uh, Just outside in the car, actually. Um, This might be a little more rambling email, uh, email, voicemail, uh, because it's not as scripted as some of mine sometimes are. Anyways, uh, let's see. Let's uh, let's cover all the subjects I can and see if we get cut off or not. Uh, Not dead, but uh, you probably worked that out, because I already sent a different voicemail previous to this one. Um, So, yes, the uh, Slenderman? Uh, or whatever, didn't get me. Um, team names, let's see. Oh, Cincinnati, you mentioned the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds, uh, which are uh, shortened from Red Stockings, which of course doesn't make them any less original, although I suppose they were the original Red Stockings team back in the 1800s. Uh, the Packers. Uh, there are some uh, inebriates that I've heard here in Minnesota during Viking Packer games say that they are the uh, Fudge Packers, but uh, actually it's uh, it's based on meat packing, the meat packing industry. They are meat packers. That's um, even worse. The term "creamed" is short for cremated, cremated, which uh, is uh, a lot less uh, filthy than uh, <laughs> what you're implying. But hey, I like filthy. Um, all right, I, I, I do indeed work in a uh, video facility. Uh, some of the clients that we work for are uh, religious uh, groups, so uh, you know some of them are uh, real nutballs, and some of them are. No, I take that back. They're all real nutballs, right? Uh, so, but anyways, I'm not going to name exactly where I work, just in case uh, some of those clients would be taking offense to anything that happens on this uh, your podcast. But uh, yeah, I work. Uh, Somewhere where we do uh, mastering and replication, duplication, printing, all of the uh, the full works for all sorts of clients. And uh, see, nightmares. Uh, my wife and I were just talking about nightmares. Um, old nightmare back uh, back. 
back in the day when I was a child was uh, was the nukes. Um, of course, I'm a uh, child more fully into the depths of the nasty Reagan era Cold War than uh, than you folks uh, by by a few years. So uh, that was a big one. And uh, these days, uh, I still have these weird nightmares where I uh, where I'm back at university and. Um, forgot to drop a class and suddenly found out right at the uh, end of the semester and I don't even know where the class meets and and gosh when did this campus get to be the way this campus is uh, I have other thoughts on some of these things these topics and I will, uh, I will get back to you on those uh, sometime possibly less rambly and more scripted so anyways um, bye that oh, was a delight. That was a delight. I'll point out how delighted I am that there's an inference that Paul is very scripted otherwise. <laughs> Maybe he has stage directions for himself. Pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> beat, beat, pinter, beat. Okay, I've got to make this seem natural. Um, I also love that Paul always reports in from exactly where he is. Yes, I'm in a car outside of this building, which I will not name for security purposes. <laughs> I'm at the Legion Hall. Yes, I'm at the video facility, which in itself is a creepy turn of phrase. Mm-hmm. I also like how he explained what cream meant, and then he said, not in the way that you were implying, although I am sort of filthy myself, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> Paul's into spunk play. <laughs> <laughs> also, meat packers? They're the, they're the meat packers? That's terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense because if you're going to get, you know, a good masculine name for a team, you want it to come from maybe a working class environment where men are men. And if anything, the meatpacking industry is going to be some brutish football build types. I talk like I know what I'm fucking talking about, yeah. but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If I see someone like a, hey, we're, we're the Lions versus Meat Packers. What about oh. the Red Stockings? Like, oh dear, I do believe I've donned my Red Stockings in time mm. for the big game. Were you George Washington worried about your dress? Calm the fuck down. <laughs> Calm the fuck down, you Meat Packer. <laughs> Join George Washington. Go eat a ghost dick. <laughs> um, of course, as always, Adam Martinez, please get in touch with your creditors. God damn it. What's her fucking name? Uh, Anna, Anna Martinez. Anna Martinez, I got a fucking voicemail for you. Or visit www.perc.com and provide the following reference number. Usually we get an awesome computerized. This is call is for Anna Martinez. Why don't you actually pay your bills? Maybe she's dead. <laughs> Maybe she and Alex are both dead. I don't know. You can't pay your bills from beyond the grave and you can't get out of a hole unless you sink into it. Am I right, Brett? Oh, too, so true. So true. If I learned anything from George Washington, it's like, pay your fucking debts. Be sure to watch for For My Dad, coming to theaters May 2012. Also, inexplicably amazing, coming out the week after For My Dad. Is it in 3D? Both are in 3D. Are you kidding me? Those golf effects, those swirling starry night art gallery effects, it's going to be amazing. IMAX, IMAX. I see the the golf ball's coming right at me. Whoa! Danny DeVito's bald-ass head is right in my face. (laughs) Love it. I see potential. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we're closing out episode 85. I hope you've enjoyed it. 85. 85's just fine. I like it. I like it. I'm Dean Martin. (laughs) That's a great Dean Martin. (laughs) That's my very good, solid Dean Martin impression. That's dead on. And I'm Jerry Lowell. (laughs) Oh, I... 
I, I thought that was Dean Martin again. I, equally good. <laughs> equally good. In my impressions, I always have to say first right off the bat who I am. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jerry Lewis. Oh, okay. Oh, Hello, sorry, no. I'm Norma Desmond. <laughs> you are, are you? It, wait, is, Jerry, is that Jerry Lewis playing Norma Desmond? Or? Frank Sinatra playing Norma Desmond. Which, who's what? Is, was it, were you Sammy Davis Jr.? What's happening? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> and if you would like to visit our website, it's curiosityabounds.com slash ramjack. Notice I didn't say forward slash because that doesn't exist. You know, for someone who, <laughs> who mocked Alex for being so critical, you're still really hanging on to that forward slash. I just, I want people to stop saying forward slash. You know how they'll stop saying it? If we leave it and let it go. It's your ferret, Brad. Let your ferret go. Kill it. I will kill my ferret. There I you go. I will kill my ferret. <laughs> uh, maybe you should call us at 206-339-5894. Paul Maggie can't be the only person calling us. That's ridiculous. But be sure when you call to leave a message to say where you are very specifically. Yes. Are you we in need... a car? Are you in a, uh, a basement? <laughs> we need lat- latitude and longitude. Do you need help? <laughs> Do you need Maybe... us to call someone else? <laughs> Maybe you'd like to call and tell us about racism. Casual racism or casual homophobia. Ooh, yes. Paul Mackey, do you fun. have any encounters with casual racism? <laughs> hmm? Hmm? Probably, because you work for a bunch of Christian nut jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe, hey, be maybe, sure not to fuck up any of those Christian DVDs. I don't want any nigger cocks touching them. <laughs> Jonathan yes. Pernicek, everybody. Jonathan Pernicek. Spinning yards of comedy into the new year. Oh, his, his comedy, it's, it's not for everybody. It's um, for no one, but if you But if you, if you, if you like white people and you wear a hood, <laughs> you'll be, you'll you be like a fan. you like little ghosty cone hats. <laughs> I call them ghosty cone hats. <laughs> snip, snip, snip. Um, also, you can email us, ramjackpodcast at gmail.com. But make sure you tell us where you're emailing us from. Always. Mm-hmm. Yes. Always. And you can follow us on Twitter, at ramjackpodcast. So many ways. So many ways. So many ways. There's the Facebook group, which is where all the fun actually happens. Yes, videos are being posted there, comments, observations, musings, other synonyms. People talking about me. I announced trying that to I exploit be... my fears. Yeah, well, they haven't done that for a while, to be fair. It's, it's true. I, I announced my, my coming appearance uh, on the Facebook group. I, I hyped it. I hyped it up. If you want to have the inside track, you want to join the Facebook group. Yes. So do true. that. I'm scared that you won't. <laughs> and, of course, listen to John on cough syrup. Uh, Brad, sorry. Um, I know that we're just wrapping up now, but um, uh, it's a little late in the game. But I just realized I made a connection. George Washington could have learned a lot from Captain Blood and, you know, his his bravery and his courage. Oh. Think about it. Think about it. You know, um, his sword carved his name across the continent mm-hmm. and his glory across the sea. All right, let's close the show out. Okay. So we're saying nigger cock, right? <laughs> no, we're not. Nigga, we're not? Brad, I just wanted to inform you that on today's menu we have a beautiful duck garage, of course, preceded by a fresh garden salad. And the dessert, of course, is a freshly glazed nigger cut. <laughs> Yeah.
Still cast your eyes downward to the ground. 